What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome back to episode 52 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we're going to go ahead and cover Chicago Med season three, episode 13, entitled Best Laid Plans. As always, I'm Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And as always, we're going to just jump right in with the news. And I was just telling Bryna about 10 seconds ago that we had a lot of news drop in a very short amount of time this week. We did. We did. We did. So first bit of news we've got is that it comes from Deadline. So Chicago PD has been picked up by Fox stations for a fall 2018 broadcast syndication launch. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, haven't you guys covered this before? Yes, we have. But I think the difference here is that we now have a date, right? Wait, we covered this before? Yeah, we, we've gotten this news before. But I think now I think now the only difference is that we actually have a date for it. We didn't have a date before, if I remember correctly. Oh, I thought we didn't have... I thought we only ever covered them going to syndication about... Um, like USA and like the current deal that they're on. No, it was about the Fox stations because I remember we were all like, "What the hell does that mean?" And so it's oh like, yeah, I do briefly remember that. I can't even remember the actual Fox nation stations right now. I'm horrible. <laughs> Oops, but yeah. So now we have a date, and it'll be in the fall that we'll be able to watch PD on a lot of other stations that escape me right now because I'm terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, remember the Fox ones either. It's fine. I don't either. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So <laughs> another bit of news we got. Did you know Rahm Emanuel has a podcast, Bryna? I did not know that. I, I Yeah, know. I didn't know that. So <laughs> Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, he has a podcast, which we found out this week when David Eigenberg was a guest. And so this podcast is called Chicago Stories. Again, had no clue this existed. None. Uh, but Dave and Eigenberg, our beloved Herman on Chicago Fire, he was a guest on this podcast this week. And we'll post the link to this because you definitely need to listen to it. There's a lot about David that we didn't know. Yeah. No, my favorite one was you texted us in the group text and you're like, Bryna, did you know David Eigenberg is Jewish? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't, but I couldn't have guessed. Like, Eigenberg is a very Jewish name. Um, but that was just my favorite thing. You're like, did he know he's Jewish? And I was like, no, I did not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the minute he said that, I was like, oh, I wonder if Bryna knows that. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I'm just learning everybody's I mean, like, I didn't realize Sasha Farber from Dance with the Stars is Jewish until I saw his wedding picture. So, like. Yeah, why the hell were we not invited to that Dancing with the Stars wedding, by the way? I don't know. But, yeah, I feel like I'm just learning everybody's Jewish this week. Like. <laughs> I didn't know that about Sasha either. I figured you knew. I don't know. I saw the no, picture and I was like, oh. I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, shit. And then I was like, and I was like, oh, that makes sense why his wedding was on a Sunday. I was like, that makes so sense, <laughs> so much sense. Farber is not a Jewish last name, though, is it? Uh, it's kind of a Jewish name. Yeah. And he's Aussie or British? 
Uh, I don't know. I think he's Australian because I think is Emma the British one? I don't know. We digress. No, Emma's yeah, no, Emma's the British one. Emma's British. So Sasha's Australian. I think. I think. I don't know. Off topic, but yeah. I feel like I've just learned a lot of people were Jewish this week. I'm just still offended that we didn't get invited to this, okay? I know. Oh, I know. It looks like a blast. That and the uh, the invites for Harry and Meghan's wedding went out. I don't know if you already received yours, but I haven't received mine. <laughs> no, not yet. Still waiting. No. Charlie lied to me. Charlie was like, they say it takes at least a week to get from the UK <laughs> to the US. I was like, don't tease me, Charlie. <laughs> not cool. Anyway. Oh, Sasha's Russian. That that did that sounded familiar to me. I was about was, to say Russian, but I didn't want to sound stupid. Well, no, okay, he was born in Russia, and then it says nationality Australian. But that makes, I mean, that makes sense. Like Russian Jews, like that makes sense. <laughs> okay, okay, we're learning, <laughs> or I'm learning at least. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, we had to clear that up. Anyway, so yeah, th- this podcast was great, actually. So David was in the Marines. I did not know that. Nope. Me um, he met his wife, who at the time was serving in the army. Like, the Eigenbergs are a military family. I had no idea. I literally had no idea. No, and I think David's from Chicago. He grew up in the suburbs. Because they were talking about neighborhoods and all different sorts of stuff. I think now, I knew that. I didn't know that either. He has such a deep love for the city and the first responders in the city. It's It was really great to listen to. Because, I mean, he was kind of fangirling about Chicago, but I can't blame him because I love Chicago. Yeah, so same. It was really cool. And, um, you know, he was talking about how, like, he lives in Bucktown now, and then Mayor Emanuel referred to something as, like, the 606. I'm like, the, the fuck is that? <laughs> like, I don't know. It was really good. So if you get the chance to listen to it, you should absolutely do so. I think it was only about 30 minutes. So Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I didn't get a chance to today, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah, I really liked it. I really liked it. So we also got an article from Observer.com. I've never heard of this source, but okay. And there's an article in there with Jesse Spencer. And the headline basically says, you know, Jesse Spencer and, you know, just acting like a first responder on Chicago Fire is quote unquote heavy. So it's basically, you know, about Jesse and then a couple quotes from Derek. But the key operative thing here, which I love. So I know... There's a lot of talk within the fandom about like, you know, when the show ends or like, you know, what if this is the last season, whatever that the other. I never worry when people say things like that because I'm like, guys, this is going to be like SVU. And 20 years from now, we're going to have season like 30 whatever of all three Chicago shows. It's going to be around. I don't want anybody to worry because that's what I feel in my gut. But in this article, they got a quote from Derek and Derek said, you know, I want Chicago Fire to go as long as SVU. And I'm reading that quote, and I'm like, can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Yeah, because, I mean, that's what I think. I don't know. Brina, what do you think? Do you have any, like, feelings about how long this, these shows might go? I mean, I think as long as the quality's still good, then, like, I don't see why they can't go forever. Like, yeah. I've never, I mean, I've never really been, besides, like, maybe a couple random episodes here and there. Like, I've never really sat down and, like, watched SVU, so I can't really speak about how the quality has been for SVU. But, I mean, if the quality's still just as good on Fire and PD and Med, then, like, I don't see why they can't go as long. Right. 
Like, I mean, yeah, I think that's mainly if they're making good television, then like good television should stay on television. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the quote from Jesse Spencer that just kind of echoed it was just, you know, he said, yeah, I hope we go 20 years. And then the article said, you know, Spencer sees fake firefighting well into his future. Another one like, amen. Season 20, he and Gabby have grandkids. I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. I'm totally okay with that. So and well, as always, we'll post all of the links to these. We won't forget this time. I always have to like clarify. So the last bit of news we got were some good old episode descriptions. What, what? What, what? So we have one for Chicago PD. This is season five, episode 19, and this airs on April 11th. Bryna, take us away. Yeah, so it's titled Payback, and it just says, um, a string of stash stash house robberies lead back to an unlikely individual Voight confronts a key witness in the Bingham investigation. That's so it. I wonder if this key witness is somebody they know. I don't know. It's whoever. I mean, it's. I mean, it's obviously it's whoever saw Al and Aaron with the body. Here's a theory from left field. Oh God. Okay. What if the key witness is Aaron? Totally serious. But he can't confront a key witness. He can't confront Aaron. Ah, that's true. Damn it. Yeah, you have a point. You have a point. Like, Sophia Bush isn't coming back. Uh, I know. That's Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I just had that thought today while I was working. We did get an email, actually, from, I think it was from Tess. And I'm going to pull it up here because it was a, actually a really good theory. Um, let me get into our email. If it will load. But yeah, we got this one like at the last minute today. And this is actually a really good theory. So that's why I want to throw it out there. Load. There we go. Okay. So let's see. Oh, there we go. Okay. So she says, let's see. Okay. She goes, I know with episode descriptions, it looks like Al is going down for Bingham's murder. But what if they decided to flip the script and have Voight turn himself in? So... Then she says in parentheses, you know, given Jason Begay's behind the scenes behavior, what if he decides to leave and we won't find out until the end? So then she says in the second paragraph, you know, and then they have Woods run the unit. Just an idea. Both ER and NYPD Blue survived with character changes. And then she says, I also read on Marina's Twitter that the season finale takes a surreal turn for Berzik. But the the whole Voight and Woods theory, what do you think? I mean... I don't know about, like, that being a way for Jason to step out of it, but I definitely, I mean, you know, Voight already said, well, Voight said this past, in the last episode, not this past week, but this last episode, that he, you know, wants to, like, take, like, he wants to take the blame for the whole thing. He doesn't want Al to go down for it. So, I mean, I could definitely see it be, like, Al, they make it look like it's going to be Al, and then Voight does end up taking the blame Mm -hmm. but i'll be curious to see yeah for sure for sure and guys the surreal twist about berzik that marina tweeted about i really think all she's referring to is that there was a dog sitting in patty's seat in that picture yeah i don't think it actually has anything to do with berzik but if it does have if it does i'm not gonna complain bingo exactly what you just said yeah definitely not gonna complain but i think that was just a joke yeah, 
I think so, but yeah. So I don't he, think if I think if it was actually about the finale, she wouldn't have been able to say anything. Right, right. Like she can't say that. No. I want to know whose dog that was, though. That was a cute dog. I don't know. I know that's a mystery. <laughs> so the other episode description we got, or one of the others we got, is actually this is Chicago PD season five, episode twenty, and this is airing on April eighteenth. So this is airing the week after that. So the description here says. After Voight witnesses the kidnapping of a young woman with a mysterious connection to his past, intelligence works to find a connection between her kidnapping and several bank robberies. Ruzik gets a tip that a grand jury has been summoned, putting Olinsky one step closer to standing trial for Bingham's murder. So, a woman connected to Voight's past. I don't even know where to start with that. Yeah, I I don't even know. I mean, yeah, at this point it could be anything, like anybody from anywhere. But I think it's interesting, you know, I mean, they make the distinction that it's a young woman. So, like, it can't be a past girlfriend or anything. I mean, I guess it could. <laughs> or like... could, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could, but. We don't know how Voight coped with Aaron leaving. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. I'm um, kidding. Everybody calm down. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, but I doubt they're going to whip out be like, oh, look, here's his like secret daughter. Like, they're oh, not no. going <laughs> to do that either. So like, I'm curious to see what this is. I mean, they did it with Al and then we never saw her again. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> We're just grasping at straws, really. We just need some sort of indication. We just of- don't know. Like, these these episode descriptions are, like, there's something there, but they're so vague at the same time. Like, it's literally just, like, grasping at straws. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, the last episode description we got is from Chicago Fire. This is season six, episode 19, and this airs on April 19th. I almost said April 18th, but no, it airs April 19th. Brenna, take it away. Yes. So, after responding to a residential fire at a property belonging to a Mexican drug cartel, Casey is skeptical of Cordova, which is guest star Damon Diub, after a hefty amount of money was found missing from the crime scene. Elsewhere, Kid makes a big decision. That's all they're going to leave us with, is just Kid makes a big decision? (laughs) Yep, that's it. That's not cool. That's it. That's all we got. Not cool. Not cool. So uh, yeah, that's it's like you just said. Like the the descriptions are getting narrower and narrower to the point that we're like, dude, why give us a description at all? Like, like this just increases our stress levels if you bring us like one sentence. Well, yeah, and I think I mean you know we talked about it last episode or the whatever the last episode was where we talked about episode descriptions. It must have been the PD episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a whole lot there. <clears throat> We're not really getting guest stars anymore, so, like, we have no idea when Sarah Shahi's going to pop up. Like, I have yet to see her name in any kind of anything. Which is really kind of a good thing, because I'm probably going to throw shit when I see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know she was on set, I mean, because there was yeah. an Instagram story um, of her and Taylor. Um, I think it was Instagram story. It was Instagram story, wasn't it? I think so. Um, but anyway, there was something of her and Taylor on set, like, from the last, like, couple of days. So she's been on set recently. So we know it's coming, 
But yeah, like I at least like to know like, hey, she's going to pop up here or like she's going to pop up here because especially because we know she's going to be around for a couple episodes. So if she pulls that whole this kid is actually yours card. Oh, I'm going to be so mad. I don't think she's going to because at least the reason she starts showing up in the first place is because of there's like she needs Severide's help with like some kind of case or whatever. There are like a million other firefighters in that city. Yeah, like, but really? I'm just saying. Yeah. I just. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just trying to think like if I was in that situation, like if I was if I was dating a guy who I was trying to make think I was pregnant with his baby and then I left and then I needed a firefighter's help on a legal case, I wouldn't even touch the city of Chicago firefighters. Never mind. Like, I mean, I wouldn't even touch that city's firefighters if I needed I mean- that. But she didn't even, like, I mean, granted, she didn't get the, like, she had maybe an inkling in the back of her head, but she never got it confirmed. Like, she really didn't have, like, it wasn't like, oh, she knew for sure. Like, there was still a chance it could have been his. Yeah, I remember Kelly called her out on the math and was like, this doesn't make sense. But you're right, they never confirmed No, called her out on the math. Ooh, I gotta go back to season She called her out on the math. Severide was like, Shay, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't trust me and you don't trust her, blah, blah, blah. And Shay's like, no, I don't. I trust you. I don't trust her. Mm-hmm. Like, Shay caught her out on the math. And then it's not until, I don't remember why she eventually, like, said, like, I broke down and, like, went into the doctor. But she was convinced it was his because, like, the math was close enough that it could have been his. <laughs> that would be, like, the worst plot twist ever if it was, like, super ridiculous slow burn between Kelly and Stella. They finally get together. Boom, the kid's actually yours. And he, just like that, he's a dad. That would be <laughs> the worst. All the fans would, like, stop watching. We'd all, like, drop the remote and be like, fuck this. Like, yeah. We out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> so bad. So, yeah, I mean... Who knows where these things are going? I did see today, however, Derek tweeted that they're filming the finale. Yeah. I'm going to just point out that, like, Otis was in his normal firehouse clothes. So, like, that might kind of fix itself before the finale. Just going to put that out there. Maybe. Hopefully. I don't know. I just don't like change. So just knowing that... Damon Diub's coming in tomorrow night's episode or tonight's episode or whenever you're listening to this Thursday night's episode. Just knowing that he's coming in, I'm already like, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like change, but whatever. Yeah. I also did the math today because one of the biggest mysteries that we've been dealing with the past couple weeks is when the hell the finales are going to air. I did a little bit of math today. So we've got Chicago Fire straight through until the finale now. And to my knowledge, we have eight episodes left. So that puts the finale, if it's a 23-episode season, that puts the the finale on May 17th. So I thought it was a 20, is it 23 or 22? 23, I think. And PD's 22? Yes. So here's what I was thinking. So there's eight fires, seven meds, four PDs left and a partridge in a pear tree. But <laughs> so the fi- yeah, so if we do the math and there's no breaks on fire, that puts the season finale on May 17th. I did the math on med and that leaves us at May 15th. Meaning, this is what I'm thinking is going to happen. We'll have PD on April 11th and April 18th. April 25th, I 
would imagine there won't be a PD. And then the last two episodes will air the weeks after that. I but know, it would still put it a week ahead. We wouldn't have to. We wouldn't have PD for two weeks then. Shoot, hang on. Let's see. Because the week, I mean, because if it if PD, I'm looking at calendar right now. If PD does not air the 25th, that means it would air the second and the ninth, and then so it wouldn't have. It would have to not air the 25th and the second. Oh, you are correct. I could see that happening though, because we're gonna get yeah. So the 11th and the 18th, we already know we're getting new PDs. Right. So I could see that happening where it's the 25th and the 22nd, like, off, and then they You mean the 25th? Oh, and the 2nd. Yeah, no. The 25th and the 2nd. Sorry. I do that all the time. But yeah, I could see those being break weeks, and then them coming back for the 9th and the 16th, so that all three shows would end in the same week. Again, if NBC's not going to give us the finale dates, we're just going to have to go make them ourselves. So... Yeah. That's just our, or that's my theory. I don't know. Brian, I could be thinking I'm crazy right now, but. No, I don't think you're crazy. I'm just more frustrated at the situation. Because I feel like once you get to the last, like, couple of episodes, like, that's just cruel that you're not going to have PD. Like, you're going to air PD for two weeks, then not air it for two weeks, and then air it for two more weeks to end it. Like, at that point, I'd rather just have the month off and then air them four in a row. Four in a row. I mean, and th- that's just my theory. They could, I mean, maybe, I don't even know what NBC's got planned for Wednesdays coming up. So, I mean, they could air four right through and end PD two weeks early. I don't I know. I don't see that happening. I feel like that's too early. I know. The moral of the story is NBC should give us the finale dates. Yeah. Or, like, I feel like once we even start seeing, though, like, maybe not even if we start seeing NBC's finale dates, but, like, if we start seeing that, like, other like when other Wednesday shows are gonna air, like when Modern Family is gonna air. If Modern is Modern Family even still on Wednesdays, I don't even know. I don't uh, know. But you know what I'm saying? Like when we start seeing like when ABC shows are gonna start stop airing, and when like CBS shows, and like then maybe we could have a better idea and like start piecing it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hmm. I don't know. That's just a theory. That's just what we think. You know, we'll see how it unfolds in the weeks to come. So hopefully we get those dates soon, though, because, you know, we just want to know that we're making that sprint towards the finish. And we're also trying to plan our, you know, season finale content. So, yeah. And like when we're going to start like summer hiatus, which is crazy to think about, like the fact that we can start talking about like summer and like that summer's almost here, but it's almost April. Like that's it's kind of insane. Crazy. So crazy. I know. Like June is gonna be here before you know. It. Like I literally just booked flights for June the other day, and I'm like, oh, that's so far away. No, it's not. It's not actually that far. away. I know. I'm gonna see you next week, and then I'm gonna see you two months after that. Like that's it. Like June is two months away. Well, and literally two months from that, because I go to Austin on June sixth, and the festival's on seventh on the seventh. So literally yeah, two the- months. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. So, as always, if you see any news, get it to us, however. Tag us, tweet us, DM us, email us, whatever you guys want to do, because there's only three of us, because three of us versus the whole internet. There's a lot of stuff out there. So, (laughs) yeah, if you see news, please send it to us. But other than that, I think we can go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Yep. Everybody was fighting this week. Not okay. No, just... It was a very combative episode. 
Yeah, I feel like you just needed to carry around like a baseball bat to like knock out all the offenders that are coming at you. Like <laughs> go through it like a video game. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I know. I just wanted to sing like everybody was kung fu fighting. Even though they weren't kung fu fighting, they were just like verbally fighting. fighting. Everybody was fighting. Oh my god. Insane. So as always, we broke this down by storyline. This was just nuts. Okay, so we're gonna start with Connor and Ava. Because that's how the episode opened. So Connor and Ava opened the episode. They're doing a heart transplant and shit goes wrong. And that's pretty much like all that happens in the teaser. They put the heart in and that's it. Yep. So Ava is torn between ECMO and an artificial heart, but decides on the latter. Yeah, because she doesn't want ECMO to screw her patient up like it did last week. Right, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, she learned her lesson. She's not trusting Connor on that one. Yeah, Yeah. or an ECMO machine. (laughs) Right, right, right. So while that's happening, Connor has another patient coming in, and he's got something called GCM. It's giant cell something that starts with an M. Whatever. So (laughs) he comes in, and, you know, the patient's got a wife and baby. Connor's got a rapport with them. He's been treating them for a while, you know. But we got That's Connor in the ED. Yeah, we got Connor in the ED, but we only got like a quick amount of time to rejoice about that because she went south fast. He's an asshole this week. Again. Again. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So, you know, he's talking to Ava after her artificial heart surgery, which must have taken like an hour because it seems like it's like two scenes before she, he's like, how'd your surgery go? <laughs> like, Yeah, for real. Yeah, so... That's happening. They're talking about it. And Ava mentioned something about she's like, well, you know, most of the time you don't catch GCM until the autopsy. You caught it early. And he just sits there and he's like, I did. You're so modest, Connor. So GCM, modest. GCM, I looked it up, is giant cell myocarditis. Ditis? Myocarditis. Yeah. TV doctors to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, but just the way he says that, he's like, I did. Okay, Connor, sit down. Your ego Be humble, in the room. sit down. Yeah. He gets Kendrick like that sometimes. Like, he's not often, I don't know, it happens sometimes. Like, he is a great doctor, but sometimes he just gets really egotistical, and it's like, Connor. Right, like, yeah, just, no. Yeah, so... A motorcyclist is brought in, and basically all you need to know here is that Stoll basically just, like, declares him dead and tells a terrible joke in, like, two seconds. And that's basically all you need to know about this motorcyclist. Hasn't he used this joke before? The, like, his joke is that, you know, he's like, you know what you call a motorcyclist without a helmet? An organ donor. Hasn't he used that this season? I don't know. I could have sworn we, I even, like, we pointed it out. I meant to go look at it in our other story outlines but i could have sworn still use this this season if you know the answer let us know i don't know that was like it's not a dad joke but it's also like really not funny i'm like still just not a good yeah i mean i've heard that set you know like i've heard that before that obviously like wear a helmet this like otherwise you could probably end up as an organ donor like i've heard that but like i could have just sworn i've heard still say it this season Hmm. i could be wrong about that i don't know so Ava and Connor are upstairs in this like this must be like the cardiothoracic wing or something like that because Connor's patient is up there and so is Ava. So I'm, ge- I'm going to guess that that's like what wing of the hospital this is. Yeah, I think so. 
So the patient, the motorcycle patient and his family, they're like kind of being wheeled through this area. And Stoll is like, you guys stop, you know, take as much time with your son as you need. And we'll be back to talk to you about organ donation later. Why are they stopping to let this family grieve right in the middle of this area? I don't know. Surely there's a more convenient place to let this happen? There probably is, but, you know, Gina, television, like. (laughs) That's true. I know. So basically as that's happening, Connor, like, spends a lot of this episode kind of just sitting outside his patient's room, like, borderline creepily. Like, Connor, do you not have other places to be? Right. Like, is that your best thinking spot or something? Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. But Ava's in with her patient. Connor's just sitting outside of his, like, what, pondering his position in the universe? I don't even know. But Ava's ears go up when she hears the whole thing about organ donation. And they pan over to Connor. Connor has that look in his eyes. Do you know that look? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that look when he gets all, like, determined. But it's like a creepy look. I don't know. We all know that Colin Donald has beautiful blue eyes, but it's like those eyes get a little creepy. Like they're creepy and beautiful. It was well, like a, it's like a determined and gonna like it's a determined and willing to fuck up everything else around me in order to get what I want. Look at Hurricane Connor coming through the ED. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what happens. I mean, especially with Ava. He really just goes like full Tasmanian devil and just. Yeah. Right. Co- yeah. That's a good way to put it. He's crazy. So Connor's patient crashes and Connor decides to put him on ECMO because he's like president of the ECMO fan club. (laughs) This also very conveniently bumps him to the top of the transplant list. And Ava is so mad. So mad. She like. Yeah, she gets really pissed. And so I love this scene, though. She like storms into the room and she's like, damn it, Connor. And Connor's like, whoa, not here. And so Ava's like, you know, ECMO trumps an artificial heart, you sneaky son of a bitch. And I'm like, ooh, get him, Ava. Drag him. You go, go girl. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of enjoying this. I shouldn't be, but I am. Yeah. And so she's like, you manipulated the system. And this is when Connor gets all like, he like turns it up a little bit. So Ava goes, you're taking a heart that doesn't belong to you. And Connor goes, I'm fighting for one that's available. And he like yells this at her. And so it wasn't, I don't know, because I I asked on Twitter last night or Tuesday night when this aired, I was like, okay, listen, like, I need other input here because I do not see why Connor is acting like this. He's being such a jerk. And a lot of people responded, and we'll get into it later, but I didn't see that, I, I didn't, this didn't register with me until after I read the responses, but I was like, you know, I really didn't like when he yelled at her, and I realized why. It's because he sounds just like his father. Yeah. I didn't I didn't make that connection until you I saw it in the outline. But yeah, he does. Yeah. Which just he sounds like he and not that like I feel like because this was I mean, not to like bring in always like bring in other medical shows. But like, I feel like this is a good comparison. I feel like Christina Yang on Grey's. I feel Mm -hmm. like. Because that was always Christina's character, you know, like, fight for the, like, procedures, fight to become, like, a good doctor and, like, a, like, with a good name and, like, I don't really care about feelings and things like that. Like, that was more acceptable because that was just always Christina's character. Mm -hmm. But, like, Connor, I feel like, has become that. 
And, like, that's not Connor's character. And, like, that's not who he is at his core. So I hate it. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, I care about procedures. And, like, granted, like, I know he cares about this family and this patient in this instance. But it's kind of like a, I just, you know, I know the way, like, I know medicine. I know my way around. I know how to fight it. Like, I'm going to do what I'm allowed to do medically. And I don't care if it means skipping corners and, you know, cutting like all that stuff like I'm just gonna do what I need to do because of medicine and like medicine's gonna get me to like help this patient so if Connor stops to like calm down and think rationally does he fight as hard for the heart knowing that it will be to the detriment of Ava's patient wait say that again so if Connor took a second to just kind of like take a breather kind of bring it down you know not be so like supercharged emotional do you think he still would have fought as hard for the heart knowing that it would be to the detriment of Ava's patient? I don't know. What do you think? That's a tough one because there's no, whichever way it resolves itself, it's going to be to the detriment of one patient. You can't split the heart in half, you know? Right. And that's why I think I, and like, I have a couple questions about transplant lists. Um, that I meant to, I honestly meant to Google this afternoon and then just because of life I didn't get to. Like, I'm so confused. Do transplant lists only, are they by state or are they by national? This is literally the exact same question I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like every time, no matter what medical show it is, when they deal with transplant, like when they deal with transplant lists, I mean, sometimes obviously it ends like they do storylines where it ends up happening to be that there's a perfect match in the hospital. But like, I feel like a lot of times they come in from out of state. So if that makes sense, like, you know, if that it's a national list, okay, whatever, that like lungs come in from Kansas or whatever, things close, relatively close by. But then how the, all of a sudden, like, how does Connor's patient become the top of the list? Like, I just have, like, I have so many questions about transplant lists. I just Googled. What'd you find? I typed in how do transplant lists work? <laughs> okay, let's see. Understanding the organ transplant waiting list. Nationally, there are more than 116,000 people waiting for much needed organs. Yikes. So the United Network for Organ Sharing, which is UNOS, which we know what that is, thanks to Gray's, manages the list of those individuals across the country. Let's see. We're going to further research this and get back to you. I'm yeah, like, we don't need to do the research on the podcast. But I just, yeah. I oh, just, wait, I, but there's average median wait times to transplant. Oh, my goodness. So the average, I guess this is like the average wait for these organs. Average wait for a kidney is five years. Wait, what? Jeez. I just, we'll post the link and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> oh, Googling never ceases to amaze. Anyway, so, yeah, I was curious about that, too, because, like, yeah, so. But it makes sense, it, like, kind of going off of what we were just talking about, like, there's no, like, someone's going to not get something, like, because there's yeah. only one of it, and, like, it doesn't matter who's technically, whose patient's first and who's second, like, both patients are deserving, and they both need it, and, like, one of them can't get it. Right, right. So Goodwin gets involved, and... Connor's patient's antibody levels are too high, 
meaning that the heart goes to Ava's patient. And so Connor is being emotional about it. He's like, it's ridiculous that your patient gets his third heart before mine gets his first. And Ava's like, that's ridiculous because there's no limit to the amount of organs one person can receive. And she goes, that's why there's a list to crunch numbers and break ties. And Connor backs down. He goes, you're right. It's all about the numbers. But again, he still has that look in his eyes. So we know this is headed like in a not good direction. I like I think it's interesting because you never think really about it like that. Like I never think about like donation lists, you know, like lists as terms of like, you know, that's why it's there to like crunch numbers and like somebody's got to pick on who's more deserving and like somebody's got to break ties somewhere. But hearing that, like especially that second sentence to crunch numbers and break ties it just made me think about sports and how, you know, with standings, like, that's what, like, standings are for is, like, somebody's got to crunch numbers and, like, there's tiebreakers for a reason and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, I didn't like that. Like, I like that explanation on the one hand, but I hate that explanation when I think about pe- it being people's lives and, like, the organ donation list, like, actually being, like, a very significant part of life. Like, I didn't like it being applied to that, but I also think it's, like, an interesting way that I don't think about the organ donation list. So it's, like, kind of this twofold thing of, like, I like it, but I hate that description at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I I don't really like how Connor was thinking so methodically about it, how he was like, yeah, oh, you're right. It is all about the numbers. Like, no, people's lives are at play here. Right. Look big picture. Big picture. And that's the thing is he got tunnel vision in this case. Yeah. Which, and I mean, him saying that when he's like, it's all about the numbers, that was kind of manipulative of him. And Connor's not usually like that. Yeah. Except for these last couple weeks. Is it me or has this change with him only occurred since he hooked up with Ava? I mean, I think you started to see like, a little bit of it this season. Like, you know, like, I mean, he was hooking up with girls before that, like, before Ava, like, you know, he was starting to, like, become severide. And so I think when it started, like, him starting to become severide is really when it started. Interesting. But, yeah, I don't know what's going on with him, but... Because, like, they hooked up, what, two episodes ago? And then last week he was an asshole, and this week he was an asshole. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just a, you know, is it me or, I don't know. So, the, basically this resolves itself. Well, it doesn't really, but we cut to Rhodes presenting test results to Goodwin, showing that his patient's antibody levels are now within transplant range. Ava's like, that doesn't happen that quickly. Like, what the hell? And so Goodwin's like, sorry, Ava. Doesn't even give Ava the chance to call his ass out. And she's like, sorry, the heart goes to Connor's patient. And so Ava knows exactly what he did to manipulate the numbers. And so she's pointing this out to him that, you know, as soon as the IVIG and the uh, emergency something or other, I can't remember right now, as soon as they wear off, his numbers are just going to shoot back up. And as this is happening, Connor has the biggest shit eating grin on his face. I wanted to smack him. It's ridiculous. This is, like, the worst scene for Connor in med history. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. It's, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. This is not a good side for Connor. No. 
And this and is like, I think this is what, not that I still, I mean, I still like Connor and Connor's still one of my, you know, I still like Connor. I mean, if he keeps going down this path, I don't know if I like him anymore, but like I officially am on team Ava now. Like I don't see Ava necessarily as what I did coming into sh- the season of med. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, you know, gone through a lot of evolution and stuff, but like, she's not wrong. Like everything she's done, maybe she shouldn't yell at him as much, but like, she needs to yell at him to get her point across. I'm okay with it. But like, yeah, I'm on a team <laughs> Ava now. Well, she has to yell at him because he's so stubborn. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like, I mean, I think, I think on the one hand yelling can make you look bad, but I also understand that like you have to yell at him at this point. Cause like you said, he's so stubborn. So that's the mm-hmm. only way you can get your point across. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, Connor goes for the whole I did what's right for my patient, patient, not even drinking, not even drinking. (laughs) I did what's right for my patient speech, and Ava basically tells him to shove it. And so Ava goes, you know what, save your self-righteous hero speech for someone else. And then she storms off. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, screw you, Connor. (laughs) Even though I don't really mean that. I love Connor, but this is why it's so frustrating. that's what I'm saying is like. I love Connor, too, but if they keep going down this path, like, of no return, like, at some point there is going to be a limit, and I'm going to have to jump ship on Connor. Man, I don't want to do that. I love Colin too much. I don't want to do it either, and, like, I mean, a good example for my personal thing is, like, I'm a really big Jane the Virgin fan, and this season, like, early on in season four... They were taking my favorite characters, Raphael, like for sure. And like they were taking him down a path that I was like, what the hell are they doing? And I literally wrote a post. I was like, confession, like, you know, season four of Jane the Virgin, like made me consider leaving like team Raphael. And luckily they've turned him around and now he's fine or whatever. But Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Like I'll actually like, you know, I don't want to see my character, favorite characters ruined. And like, I like, I just can't support it anymore at some point. Right. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I'm not a fan of him acting like this because he's not manipulative. He's not. I mean, yeah, he's competitive, but he's not usually like this. Yeah. Not no, to this not extent. So I don't know. I wonder if he's like trying to overcompensate and show Ava like we still need to be professional colleagues regardless of what we are. I don't know. I don't know. It's ridiculous. No, it's totally ridiculous. So. And again, I put this out on Twitter last night because I was like, I need additional input. Bryna was at a game, so I couldn't text her. And so, <laughs> um, you know, I put it out there. I said, you know, this is two episodes in a row now where Connor's been the absolute worst. Like, what gives? And so Twitter brought up some interesting points. So we got a response from Kate. Kate said, you know, he's being challenged and he doesn't like it. I think he's met his match professionally and personally. Ava is not falling at his feet like all of the others. She's a little rough around the edges, but love how she fights for her patients too, just like he does. I really don't... uh, (laughs) Okay. I want them to keep the relationship and the professional separate, but I also don't think that's possible. Yeah. I don't, especially after like two weeks ago, I don't think that's possible. Um, no. I think I could understand though, I do like what Kate said about him being challenged and not liking it. Yeah. I think that, you know, because I'm trying to think of everyone, you know, Connor's never really had someone. I mean, like, obviously. In the first season, you know, he didn't, he still doesn't really get that long a while with Will, but like he and Will were never really like 
the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like Will was a resident and 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 Connor was a trauma fellow. Um, so like they they were working together, but they weren't really the same level and the same rank. So like it was mm-hmm. a little different. But now he and Ava are literally the exact same thing. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so, and she's a great doctor and a great surgeon. And, you know, he's being challenged because, and I also think it, you know, it's kind of intimidating, especially for her or for him, because, you know, Latham didn't want him to be the position in the first place. Right. And so he's kind of always, you know, the season he's had to fight to prove that he was worthy of the position. And, but Ava's just as good, if not sometimes better than he is at the job. And so he's being challenged and he doesn't like it. Right. Side note, I totally need a bromance between Will and Rhodes. That needs to happen. I know. I don't understand why it hasn't happened. Fix that relationship and let that bromance rise. Right. Like, I understand if they were trying to go, you know, follow the same kind of patterns as Fire a la season one. Like, when season one first started, you know, because obviously Sevesi was not a thing. Like, mm. it, I mean, they were fighting for a couple, you know, the beginning of season one. But, yeah, that should have been mended in season one. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's a side note. So we also got a response from Perry. Perry, who will be joining us for next week's Met episode. We're excited about that. Yeah, super Perry excited. says two things. You see what happens when a woman you love leads without a discussion or leaves without a discussion. I think she's referring to Robin. And she puts in parentheses, midlife crisis Connor is in full motion. Yes. <laughs> And then she said, and like someone said on Twitter, sheep don't make a goat. He has some of his father's ways, whether he likes it or not. I've never heard that sheep goat expression. Neither. Okay. But when she said this, you know, he has some of his father's ways. I was like, oh, I did not even think about Papa Rhodes. Yeah. No. And she's right. Yeah. And I I hope they bring... As much as I hate Papa Rhodes, I hope they bring, they bring him back. Because I feel like the only way Connor's going to get past this and be like, holy shit, like, I don't want to turn into this person is if he's confronted with this person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the question is even if this issue stems back to his father. I don't know. Like... I like having his father around because then we see Connor kind of be a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. So for I sure. Like, yeah. But I there's like also that. there's also been a past there that we've never really gotten full details on. And I mean it's season three. Right. Like we should have delved into that by now. Right. Right. And so we also got a message from Laurel and Laurel did for us what we always do. She referenced Grays. So she goes, you know, in Grays, they always say to be a shark. He was being a shark for his patient. I didn't like the way he went about it, but I understand it. Literally what I was just saying with Christina. Yeah. Yeah. He was being a shark, but in the process of it, he also bit his colleague. That's true. Or maybe... Maybe not necessarily Christina Yang, but maybe more Alex. Because hmm. yeah, I feel like a- Alex does it. Like, Alex can be an asshole sometimes and, like, you know, rub people the wrong way. But, like, he always does it with the good intentions of, like, doing it for his patients. Right. 
And that's exactly what Connor did in this episode, but that still doesn't make it okay. Right. No, I'm just changing my comparison. No, 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 I know. I'm just kind of like rationalizing this in my head. I'm just thinking it through. But Alex is also a shark for his patient because he's in peds and he has to speak up for them. Right. But I'm He like, is still in peds, right? Yeah. Yes, he's still <laughs> okay. in peds. Yeah. I don't know. Just, yeah. It's a mystery why Connor has been acting like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't know. And I do appreciate him doing what's best for his patient, but he got such horrible tunnel vision. It's like what we were saying before. Like, he, he like, turned into a tornado and just, like, spun up around the whole place. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hopefully they figure out what's going on with him. But, anyway. Speaking of pe- speaking up for patients without a voice, now we must move in to Manstead. Dear Lord. As Bryna face palms. Dear Lord, what did what got into Manstead Cheerios this week? Oh, it's not the Cheerios. It's Natalie. What got into Natalie this week, I think, is a better question. Yeah, well, April also did not help with this. Oh, no, she did not. She certainly did not. Do you want to take us through Manstead? Yeah, I will. <laughs> You're like, do I have to? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Okay. So Natalie arrives late to work because she was doing something with Owen's daycare, like being a volunteer mom or whatever. The only time we've ever seen Natalie volunteer to work. Yeah. I, anyway. So, I feel like I can count on one hand the amount of times we've seen Nat as a mother. Yeah, probably. Like doing something with Owen. But I know that's not yeah. right. I'm just saying. Yeah. But anyway. Um, and Will, you know, she's telling all this to Will about, you know, how all those kids have germs, blah, blah, blah. And Will's not really paying attention to him or her because he's, like, lost in his own mind. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously Nat's not paying attention either because she probably should have realized a week ago that something's up with her man. Yeah, she should have. But Nat is, as we said, Nat is very self-centered. So Yeah. Yeah, again, which I didn't realize until last week. Has she always been this self-centered? I don't know. I haven't done a... I mean, I've never really gone back and, like, rewatched med episodes, so I don't know. There's a show I have to introduce you to called Coupling. It's British. Of course But there's an episode, basically, one of the characters, her name's Jane. She was also on Leverage, but I know that, like, tells you nothing. But there's an episode, basically, where they do a whole thing on, like, subtext, and so they have this scene where, like, basically everybody's saying exactly the subtext in their head. And so she, like, grabs something and she goes, let's talk about me. <laughs> and so she's, like, flipping through this book of swatches and she's like, me, me, me. That's Nat. <laughs> That's Nat. That is so Nat. Oh, my God. Yeah. And literally in this scene. And anyway, yeah. Will just kind of, like, walks away and Natalie is like, well, what the fuck just happened? Um. But anyway, so she gets a patient that comes in, and it's a man who suffered a traumatic brain injury five years ago, and now he looks to have this infection. Um, So they run a bunch of tests, and they end up diagnosing him with pneumonia. Um, But when Nat removes the trach tube that he has, you know, however, it, like, it's all gross-looking. So Um, gross. It's really gross. So Natalie briefs Will on what's going on, and she says, you know – I think the patient's mother, who is also his caregiver, like, I think he's burnt out. And so, however, though, we find out that when Natalie talks to the family, that's not the case. Um, And so the mom is like, I always thought he'd go peacefully. And there's, like, because the other kids are there. 
And she's like, Sam doesn't want this oblivion. And she's like, I should have never called 911. And so the other kids are there, his brothers and sisters, and they're like, you know, mom, like, stop what you're doing. Like, like, nay on the, yeah, just shut this up. This was like the moment last week when the guy was like, I'm a pedophile. I want to die. It was like the record scratch freeze fame moment when she was like, I always thought he'd go peacefully. It was like, ah. I never should have called 911. I was like, wait, back up. Yeah, yeah. And then I like, I tweeted as soon as this happened, I was like, oh, here it comes. Nat's going to lose her shit. Everybody duck for cover. Yeah. So this is where we get into starting to get into the stuff. So Will and Natalie talk outside, and Natalie tells, you know, Will what she just heard. And Will is adamant. She's like, he's like, Natalie, like, you got to, you know, this is a criminal act. Like, you know, they tried to, you know, essentially kill him, even though whatever. Like, this is a criminal act. You know, you got to report it. And Natalie doesn't see it that way. You know, Natalie sees it as if, you know, the mother wanted to end his suffering, you know, and did something, even though she did commit something that you can't do legally, you know, she was doing it out of love. This is the point where, like, all of us have taken duck and cover for, like, the wrath of Natalie. And then we all peek out and we're like, did she just say that? What did she just say? Yeah. And so. I'm like, hold on. I lost my place. Oh, okay. There we are. Yeah, and so Natalie's like, you no one knows what Sam wants more than his mother. And it's just like, oh, geez. Here we go again. Yeah. And so Will says, you know, like, if he's like, Natalie, like, if you don't call the cops, I'm like, I'm going to. And it's just like, oh, dear God. It's just like, oh, dear Lord. Not, we're not I going. Know. It's just like, okay. Well, no, when he said he's like, if you won't, I will. I was like, good, Will. Do that. Because, I mean... But at the same, yes, I was like, goodwill, like, glad you're finally learning, like, the law. Um, like, glad <laughs> Took you long enough. Yeah, glad we've come full circle on that. But, like, at the same time, like, just because I knew they were, it was going to lead them to a big fight, I was just like, oh, dear God. I was like, why are we, no, I was like, dear Lord. Um, but anyway, so Natalie, you know, didn't call the cops herself, so Will literally walks in and... The cops are behind him. We'll actually call the cops. <laughs> At this point, my mom goes, like, he's walking in with the cops, and mom goes, oh, why isn't it anybody that we know? I was like, same, mom, same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus, mom, the best. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, so then Will walks in or starts to head over there, and April, Natalie's, like, standing behind the desk, and April goes to Natalie and literally starts all of the drama. She, oh, my God starts telling Natalie about the patient last week and I was like well what do you mean and she's like I can't be certain but I think we'll let him die and I was like what how dare you April right like this was none of your business if you were concerned if she was actually concerned that Will did something wrong she would have said something last week when it happened yeah like, which well, I would have been okay. I mean, I would have been okay with that. Like, you know, like, <coughs> if April wanted to turn Will in herself, I couldn't have been mad at that. Because what Will did was technically illegal. But she also, it's like she just said, she can't be certain she wasn't there. She doesn't know what happened. Right, but if April had wanted to say, go to Goodwin and be like, hey, I'm not certain this is what happened. But, like, I think we should start an investigation into it. Like, I would have been okay with that. Because April went to Goodwin and did that herself. But in this case, April was literally just spreading rumors because, like you said, we'll never know for sure whether 
will let him die, even though we, I mean, we as viewers know, but, like, in the hospital, they never know for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And instead goes to Natalie and is just like, hey, you know, I don't know what, but Will's basically being a hypocrite. Like, he did this last week and Natalie's like, wait, what? This is so dicey because I was perfectly okay with Will's actions last week and then this episode happened and I was like, damn it, now I'm not so sure. Right, and I think it's interesting because I don't know if I – I was okay with Will's actions last week, but if we had – like if last week hadn't happened first and these episodes were reversed, I don't know if I would have been okay with Natalie's. I wasn't okay with Natalie this episode at all. Right. But, like, even if Natalie – so, like, even if Natalie had done hers first and, like, Will's hadn't happened, I still just don't think the situation – like, I still – because there's other people involved that aren't doctors, like, because the mom is the one who technically committed the act, that I'm not okay with. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just such different situations. But now that they've framed, now that Natalie's happened and now that they've framed Will as basically have done doing the same thing, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, this, this whole issue, it, yeah. I just, I spent a good amount of time after the episode just, like, pondering it last night and, like, you know, these are things I think about when I can't sleep, whatever. So, I mean, yeah, and it was just, this was definitely, and I I kept having to remind myself, I'm like, this is all gray area. There's no black and white here. This is all gray. Like, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, and so, anyway, so Will walks into the thing and the brother is wearing all the electrodes and the mother is, like, covering the trait tube as she, like, strokes her son's hair. Um, and Will, Will, you know, Will's pissed. And he, like, pushes the family aside and attempts CPR. And Natalie comes in, but, like, she just kind of stands there. And then, like, as Will's doing CPR, the mom's, like, yelling at him. She's like, you're hurting him! And then... Will still keeps going, though, but the son dies, and Will pronounces him. Oh, man. Oh, it's just so... Oh. My first reaction, though, my first thought, though, was, okay, how did the... How did they transfer the electrodes that fast without the machine beeping and, like, <laughs> going off, but... I did actually wonder that and I was like imagining I was like maybe they took a picture of his electrodes with their phones and then knew exactly how to replicate it on the brother and then like <laughs> I don't know yeah that was my but, first yeah that's thought, though. how did they do that so quickly you're right um but anyway so that happens and then we get into what Gina has labeled in the outline the great man said fight of 2018 yeah for their first fight this was a doozy oh, oh yeah what a doozy. Although, yeah. is it really? I mean, I guess it's their first fight and is a, an official couple. But, like, let's be real. We had two seasons of Manstead fighting before anything. Yeah, but this is their first, like, couple fight. Yeah, no, bad. I know. But, like, it's not the first Manstead fight ever. Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> they started arguing in, like, episode two of season one when, like, yeah. he was, like you're thinking, like, a pregnant woman. <laughs> She's like, I am a pregnant woman. Yeah. I don't understand how Will and Natalie can be so awkward with each other and sometimes just so awful with each other. Yet Nick and Tori really do interact like they're they've been married for 20 years. Yeah. I don't even know. But anyway, 
So in this fight, Natalie calls Will out about last week's patient now that she knows. And she's like, well, that's why you've been walking around like a ghost all this week, right? Not cool. So not cool. The way she lays this on him, too. And she's like, well, what about Vic Thomas? And Will's like, oh, now you want to listen to me talk? Right. Like, and then so, yeah, when she said that, she's like, that's why you've been walking around like a ghost, right? I'm like, all of this time. All you had to do was be like, Will, what's wrong? Like, talk to me. And instead you were like, me, let's talk about me. I don't know. But also, I mean, the flip side of that is that, you know, if it's been a week and she still doesn't know, that's also on Will for not communicating with his girlfriend. It is. But, yeah. It's more of Natalie just being like a bitch and being self-centered the way she said that she's like oh that's why you've been a ghost this week like oh i'm so sorry he's been such a pain in your ass right like sorry he might not have called you as much or like hung out with you as much this week like well and plus i mean i would imagine that since she's his girlfriend she totally knows how he gets in these kind of situations he does not take losing patience lightly no like I mean, nobody does, but he especially. So last week was hard for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, she was very cold. And when she said that, I was pissed. And I think I tweeted in all caps. I was like, you weren't there. But <laughs> Yeah. And so Will makes the point, you know, to Natalie that his patient explicitly and repeatedly refused treatment, but Natalie still, like, doesn't really have a good response. And Will says, you know, they intentionally caused his death versus his patient being allowed to die naturally. Okay. And that's where the, like, whole what is ethical, what is moral, like, part plays in. Okay. I don't want to ask you, like, what's your stance on this, but, like, were you, did you side more with Will or with Nat on this issue? Or, like, who did you side with more given the way they handled the issue? Well, I think, I think it's very different because it's not, like, It's very different because Natalie is not the one who pulled the tube out of the patient. It was the parents. Natalie's whole thing this week was Natalie should have called the cops. Was Natalie wrong in not calling the cops? And the answer is yes. Natalie needed to call the cops. Yes. I don't know really still how I feel about what Will did. I mean, I think I'm okay with it. But, like, I still don't have a 100%, like, stance on that. But that is a different issue. So, but, like, in About terms of... Like, in calling terms, the cops? No, in terms of, like, what he did with his patient. Oh, last week? Yeah. So, like, that's a whole different issue, though, and I still don't... I think I'm okay with it, but, like, I'm not 100% sure. Will did the right thing this week in terms of calling the cops. Because that... You, you can't do that. That's illegal. Exactly. And it's a crime, and he's got to report it. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'd want, even though, I mean, I'm not the patient or whatever, but, like, I'd want, if something was wrong and a doctor saw some, whether it was this issue or something else, and but it was something that was criminal, I'd want them to report it. Yeah. Because that's important. So. Yeah. You know. I found myself more aligned with Will, both last week and this week. And I, I maybe it's because of my background that I think of things a little bit more like methodically that I'm like, okay, you know, Will took the emotion out of this and, you know, was like, this is what it says I have to do. This is what I'm going to follow. 
Yeah. To me, everything he said this week made perfect sense. But I also think that could be just because of my knowledge base. I don't know. Right. And that's what I and that's why I think I'm like I'm okay with what Will said because I think the explanation he gave is a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. if someone wanted to come back and be like, this is a really, you know, like thought out response of like as why Will was wrong with what he did with his patient last week, I'd totally be open for a discussion about that. But Will definitely made the right choice in calling the cops this week, and that's for sure. Yeah, but I also do see what Will was saying when he said, you know, my patient explicitly and repeatedly refused treatment. Yeah. That's why I'm kind that's why I'm pretty okay with what happened last week. This week, I think he's got a point that his, you know, Nat's patient couldn't speak for himself. Right. Well, and that's what and that's what I'm saying is like as much as I understand where that explanation comes from of like this is what he wanted. Like, I just, just, I was just trying to make sure he didn't suffer. Like, I get that. But, like, you still can't do that unless there's some kind of, like, if he, if that patient had signed and been like, it's okay for so and so to do this and, like, it was notarized, all for it when it came down to it. But, like, that mm-hmm. didn't happen. So, like, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, and you probably don't remember this because this was like 2005, um, the case with Terry Schiavo. Y- y- this rings no bells with you, right? Okay. This um, this woman had a heart attack or something, and I think she was in like a vegetative state for 10 years. And so something happened where they were going to remove her feeding tube. And... Basically, I think her husband was like, no, like she's recognizing what's going on. We shouldn't do this. She's alert. And the court ended up ruling against her and she died like 10 days later after they pulled her feeding tube. But she couldn't speak for herself. So who was to make that decision that she wanted to die? Right. Well, and that's why in instances like that, I mean, obviously you never know, but like it's always good to have like someone to have medical power of attorney. Because then that person, like, somebody else can make decisions for you. Yeah. Um, but then that also gets tricky with other things. And, yeah. It does, but, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, just, we could talk but about I this think, for hours. But I will say this, not about specifically this thing, but I think when I was thinking about it this afternoon after I watched it, I was, like, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, holy, I was like, this is a doozy of an episode. But I think, and even going back to Connor and Ava's case, I think one of the things I really liked about what Med has done this season, and it's slightly different than a little bit, like, of some of the other medical shows, is that, granted, we're getting patients or whatever, but I think there's been a lot more, like, yes, we obviously joke a lot of times that, like, are these doctors following HIPAA and whatever, and, like, joking about what HIPAA, like, what is HIPAA, whatever. But, like, there's been a lot of good discussion that has come out of it about, like, what doctors can do morally and ethically and like what is you know what are they allowed to do under the law and like under the protection of their patients versus like you know morally and so I think it's just led into a lot of good discussion about that whole realm Mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't necessarily get that with other shows other medical shows so I think that's like I think this episode just made a really good strong case that like meds done a really good job of like bringing up a lot of different discussions about what goes on and like the doctor's thought processes and you know just a whole bunch of different things absolutely i agree with that 100 percent. so yeah and it just leaves off at the manstead fight so i don't know i could totally see natalie not being able to put this aside yeah 
well, now I'm, I'm like, now what I also see Will not being able to put it aside. Yeah. Because Will did nothing wrong. Like, Natalie has to be the one that apologizes first. Yeah. But she's not going to because she's so self-centered. Would Will stoop so low as to rat her out to Goodwin? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think Yeah, it would that probably pissy. be a moot point since he called the cops anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, Gina had put it down on Twitter. She was like, this is a case is a giant, like, like we said earlier, this case is one giant gray area, like discuss. And Perry sent us a tweet and she said, you know, the main storyline really frustrates me so much. Um, I'm really tired of what did she come back? Natalie. Natalie. Oh, it's just spelled differently. I was just very confused. Um, <laughs> having compassion and sympathy only for people like her or she can relate to. Um, and then she said she'll eventually send us some more of her hot takes. Um, basically, this bias of hers is getting really annoying. I will agree with that. It, I it's it's always not been my favorite thing how is that in terms of stating something semi-decently it's always been a quality of hers that you haven't liked yes i was thinking of like the pc way to phrase it yeah yeah i i don't want to say it's annoying but like it's it can be unpleasant yes I don't like when it gets in the way of her properly treating her patient. I'd agree with that. Yes. And, I mean, case in point, the woman who was starving her baby and how she was so vehemently, like, no IV, no nutrition, nothing, and Nat just did it anyway. Yep. At the end of the day, that is still criminal battery. That's what I'm saying, but whatever. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to call it annoying, but it's not pleasant. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the end of the man's dead stuff. Oh, man. That was doozy. just, it was such a doozy, I know. But now we get to move into some, or a couple that wasn't fighting. I don't think, right? They didn't fight. They no, didn't they work didn't together. Fight. They didn't fight. Yeah. They didn't work together, so they couldn't fight. So we're going to cover Ethan and his patient and then the party with April cuz they didn't work together this week but you know they kind of all live together so okay um it's April's cousin's 15th birthday which is great and poor Ethan is like omg please don't make me socialize i'll do anything but that like please he's like please tell me it'll be a small crowd and like i'm laughing cuz like if Charlie and i are April and Ethan I am definitely Ethan. He is definitely April. You are definitely <laughs> Ethan. Oh, absolutely. 110% I'm Ethan. I'm like, I don't know. That's a, Don't make me interact. I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> I don't want to step outside. Don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah. And Charlie's like, let's go. And I'm like, damn it. So, yeah. Uh, Ethan's like, please tell me it's just going to be like friends and family. It's not going to be that big. Whatever. But he also Googled the Portuguese term for this party. So that's pretty adorable. I thought that was pretty cute. Uh-huh. So April's like, are you going to bring your sister? He's like, no. But April's like, I really want to meet her. And so Ethan's like, she's probably got a poker game or something. At this point, I can't even remember what Ethan said was his problem with her. Yeah, I can't remember either. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't remember because like everything we've seen of her so far is pretty good. But we'll get there. So Maggie and Ethan get called into the waiting room where a woman has fallen asleep and won't wake up. Essentially, this woman is me on a Monday morning. <laughs> so they get her to a room. All of her vitals are normal. Everything's making sense. In her purse, I think Maggie only finds like birth control, cigarettes, ID, just like no phone. Yeah, no phone, no phone, just a charger. Um, I do love every time that Ethan calls her Mags. I'm not going to lie. I love that. I think that's so cute. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, you know, they conclude pretty quickly. It's not an OD. And so Dr. Stoll is like, okay, we'll order this test, that test, all these other tests. And Dr. Choi is like, I don't think this is an injury. Like, that's what you're thinking. And so Stoll goes, well, just because there's no bruising doesn't mean there's no trauma. You know that. And I was like, is there supposed to be a deeper meaning here? Thank you. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I wonder if they're like roundabout referring to his sister. I don't know. Just because everything seems okay, it's not really. But see, and my first thought was his military background, but still wouldn't know anything about that. Correct. So like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't think still wouldn't know about a sister either. Also true. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So they're trying to figure out what's going on with this girl. And the husband basically uses the Find My Phone app to track it to the waiting room. And so he's there. At one point, Maggie comes up to Choi and is like, hey, I had Ruzik run her name. Hey, Ruzik, we miss you. Yep. (laughs) I noticed that too. So great. Little Ruzik name dropped there. Um, She had Ruzik run Rachel's name. And, you know, she had some priors for like DUI possession, things like that. And so... That happens and then the husband comes and, you know, the husband's like, well, shit, here we go again. Like, he's thinking it's drugs, too. So they run more tests and everything and still nothing is coming up. Everything's coming up normal. There's also the scene when Sarah evaluates her and Sarah's like, well, what about these numbers? And Choi's like, nope, that's clean. (laughs) And she's like, what about a tumor? He's like, nope, that's clean, too. And she asks about another thing, and he's, like, all perfectly normal. And she just goes, the plot thickens. Good luck. And just walks away. And Maggie and Ethan look at each other like, the fuck just happened? That was funny. But when they finally, you know, get to a point where they're like, we don't know what the hell is wrong with her. Dr. Stoll is like, okay, you know, run all of these tests again. See if you're missing anything. See if something is mimicking something else. You know, just something crazy is going on. So Dr. Choi plays like full on detective and like lasers in on this cause like super quickly. So they found something on her MRI that they thought was like, I guess, just kind of nothing. But Dr. Choi is like, well, you know, this could be a blood clot. And so she might have this condition where she has only one artery instead of two. And if the clot is in just the right place, that could cause a stroke. And so that turns out to be what's going on with her. So, you know, they bust the clot, she wakes up, all is good, and basically, you know, the, the husband is like, oh my god, I, like, you were looking for a job, you know, that's great, and Dr. Choi just kind of leaves them to kind of reunite and reconcile, and it's really sweet, but they cut to the party at the end, and this is, it's awesome, actually. Dr. Choi can rock a suit. Yeah. Yeah. And Yaya in that dress. Slay, oh girls. Slay. Slay. So great. 
so they get to this party and there's like music blaring and just, you know, they're dancing and it's a big party because of course it is. It's the 15th birthday party. It's not a quinceanera. It's the Portuguese term for that that I'm not going to attempt because I'm going to butcher it. But of course, it's on a grand scale and it's a big party. And so Ethan walks in and April's like, oh, my God, you look amazing. I can't wait to tear that suit off of you. Cue the awkward pause because there is Choi's sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Emily shows up to the party. Noah immediately like hones in on her and is like, I'm Noah. How are you? <laughs> trying to be all suave but yeah it's it it ends adorably because you know noah dances with emily dr Choi is like you know usually emily disappoints me but i kind of want to give her a chance to kind of redeem herself and then he's like yeah you look amazing in that dress and so april's like come on dance with me and he's like no and then she loosens him up and gets him to dance with her which is literally me and charlie we went to a concert last week and he was like two step with me and i was like no (laughs) He's like, no, two-step with me. I was like, no. And he grabs my arms and I literally just stood there. And then he like stepped on my foot and I was like, damn it. He's like, you have to move your feet. I was like, stop it. <laughs> like, yes, I yeah. am Ethan. I am literally Ethan. You are literally Ethan. I thought this was a really cute scene, but it was a little hard. Like, I was just still so pissed at April that I was like, <laughs> God damn it, April, you're ruining it. Like, but it was cute. So you haven't warmed up to Chexton slash sex toy at all? I st- I mean I warmed up to them, but I still don't ship it. Like I can and I can appreciate that it's cute without shipping it. All right, I'll take that. That's fair. Like they're not making it on my like ship list. Well, no, that takes a lot to make somebody's like top ten ship list. Well, no, but... I'm not talking about top ten. I'm just even saying like like one Chicago ships. Like I don't ship them. I'm glad they're being all cute though and not being annoying. Yeah, they're definitely not annoying anymore. No. I also see how April, I like how April is kind of helping Ethan loosen up a little bit. Yeah. Like, that's kind of nice. It is nice. I don't know. And I like the sister so far. Granted, I mean, we haven't seen much, but like, we I know like shit's going to hit the fan, though. Oh, man. You know it's going to come. It's true. I've got to stop liking these people the moment they appear. I have to, like, put my guard up with these characters. Yeah. I'm just... What happened to the Noah and Reese story? My thoughts exactly. I was like, listen, I'm all for Noah flirting and being, like, adorable and trying to, like, charm his way in. But, like, what about Sarah? But, like, they spent too much time on that to just drop it. (laughs) You could say that about, like, any storyline in One Chicago Land, and it would be totally relevant. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) Like, Bria... Bria, um, Olinsky's mystery daughter. Yeah. Um, Antonio's just... mystery goatee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like if they're, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But I liked it. And it was nice to have a more lighthearted storyline going on. Yeah, for sure. That was really nice. So um, if we shift our focus back to people who were fighting, because everybody was freaking fighting this week, except for April and Choi. And Noah. Um. And Noah. Oh, my God. The Noah storyline was precious, but we'll get there. Um, Let's talk about Sarah and Dr. Charles. Bryna, do you want to take it? I can. Um, Or do you want me to take it? I mean, if you want to take it, I'll do Noah. Or let's talk about Noah first. Well, yeah, let's talk about Noah first and then talk about Dr. Charles. Okay. Um, So, yeah, let's talk about Noah. 
So basically, Noah had just like it's a very comedical um, storyline, which I'm glad because, like you said, there was a lot of fighting going on. So the fact that Noah had like a comedical um, storyline is it was a much needed breath of fresh air. So yeah. basically, Noah's patient is a white or is a woman. Um, she's in her late like 50s, early 60s, or I think they said like she's like 55 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, she comes in and she has back pain. And so she came in with her husband, and they started spin classes to lose. She's like to lose the twenty pounds that she gained over the winter, and you know because they're going to go on a trip, like a cycling trip or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so Noah's like, okay, like I think it's just gonna, you know, you pulled a muscle. Like here's some medicine. <laughs> I'll come check on you in an hour. At that point, we're only seven minutes in. It's definitely not a back strain. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and so Noah comes back in to check on her, and. He's, she's like, you know, the back part's cleared up, but, like, now it's in my stomach or whatever. And so Noah, like, you know, was checking her stomach and, like, pushing on it or whatever. And then she literally projectile <laughs> vomits all over him. And that was <laughs> so gross. It was gross. but And, I like, I mean, we love Roland, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, we love you, Roland, but, like, can't not laugh. And so April's, like, first-year resident projectile vomit is a rite of passage. Yeah, but I was like, April, like, your big sisterness is showing again. Like, don't tell the patient how new he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they give her, like, a different kind of set of medicine, and they're like, okay, we're going to run a couple more tests. Like, I'll come back and check on you again. But anyway, so when they come back and check on her for the third time, she's having these terrible cramps. Um, and she's like, I really just need to pee, though. So they're going to help her get out of bed. And when she, as soon as she stands up to head to the bathroom – it looks like she pees herself right there. Then a light bulb goes off in Noah's head that turns out this 55-year-old woman who's been through menopause is pregnant. I feel like I should know this, but pregnancy after menopause can happen. I mean, I didn't really. I mean, I'm sure it can. Like, I mean, obviously it can, but, like, I don't just don't think it's common. Like, I think it's probably pretty rare, but I could be wrong about that. We should Google that. We should know that as women, I feel like. Why? Because I'm, I'm 22. Why would I know that? I'm not close to know. menopause yet. I'm not either. No, I know. <laughs> but, like, I'm just saying, like, I, I have no reason to know that yet. If we have any male listeners at all, they probably just, like, got really squeamish and, like, turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this woman has a baby, so Noah, with the help of his sister, I mean, delivers this baby like a boss, because he did that. Um, Turns out it's a healthy baby girl, and yeah, they were just, like, very in shock the whole time. You know, they were like, well, the husband was like, well, I guess, I mean, he, like, cancels the trip, and he comes back. It's like, well, I need to buy diapers and crib and, you know, clothes and whatever. He's like, did I mention diapers? Like... (laughs) And then there like, kids come in, and they were, like, and the kids were, like, holy shit, you weren't kidding. Like, you just had a baby, like. And, so funny. Yeah. And the, it was, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, it was nice to have a lighthearted case. Um, you know, the couple was really funny. Like, yeah. Yeah. It really was so nice to have a case that was wall-to-wall just, like, nice and ended well, and there were no complications. It was just, like, 
Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. Because I really and- thought they were going to end with, like, them not wanting the baby or something, like, mm-hmm. giving it up for adoption. I was going to be like, come on, like, mm-hmm. we can't yeah. go through this again. But, like, no, they were fine, and yeah. Yeah, it was pretty great. No, I love seeing Noah's evolution as a doctor, and I love seeing how he's, like, growing into his confidence. Like, he totally handled that like a boss. He was like Paige Obey, and then April was like, they're not going to make it down in five minutes. He was like, okay, like, I'm going to just deliver this baby. So I thought that was really good. Plus, like, I mean, it's kind of piggybacked. Like, Roland had posted this week just, like, behind-the-scenes footage, I guess, when they rehearsed the scene when he lost his first patient. So, like, it's nice to have something lighthearted, and it's nice to see Noah absolutely kick ass. Like, immediately exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that was really cool. And that couple was so funny. Yeah, they were oh, that funny. Was so funny. Yeah. When she's like, she's like, yeah, like the stomach cramp, the stomach cramps are unbearable. And he's like, yeah, so is her gas. And she goes, hey, <laughs> like that was funny. Also, the mom apparently was or the mom, the wife. She was apparently in Transformers. A couple people pointed that out to us that they were really excited to see her. Really? So I haven't seen Transformers. I haven't either. I'm just saying, really? Yeah. Huh. So that's cool. Good to know. So that was nice. I thought it was cute. Hell, you know, it was nice to see April and Noah work together, too. Like, you know. Yeah. That was sure. It was cool. It was a nice, lighthearted, funny story. If they want to do more stories like that, that are like good and happy and lighthearted from start to finish, I am all for it. Yeah, I think it's nice to have, like, especially I feel like as we creep closer to like season finale territory and like, you know, everybody's going to be enduring whatever they're going to be enduring in, like, the season finale or, like, leading up to that, like, the light stories are going to be very much needed. Yeah, for sure. So, lastly, we will go ahead and discuss Sarah and Dr. Charles. This was the other team of people arguing in this episode. Okay, so, Sarah's father has asked her to co-sign a loan. That doesn't sound sketchy at all. Nope. Not at all. Nope, nope. And so, you know, of course, Sarah, of course, she's explaining it to Dr. Charles and Dr. Charles is like, there's like flags going up and he's like, whoa, this is not okay. So Goodwin hands a stack of transplant candidates to Dr. Charles and she mentions that Sarah's father is part of that stack. And so Dr. Charles meets with him and basically tells him that personality disorders can be a contraindication of transplant. So it strikes me odd how like calmly Haywood is handling this this diagnosis because if somebody tells me I have antisocial personality disorder and I'm exhibiting psychotic tendencies, I'm probably going to run around like Connor ran around the thoracic unit, like destroying everything and like freaking out. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I yeah I just I don't know he's like way too calm about this he's like so you think I'm a psychopath I'm like you should be a little more like not happy about that yeah but I mean I'm sure there's obviously different kinds of mentally ill you know like some people that's not their reaction because of their illness yeah that's true that's true so Haywood looks at Dr. Charles and is like you believe I have antisocial personality disorder, but another psychiatrist may not. And I'm sitting here like, well, wait, he has a point. He does have a point. B- 
Because I feel like Dr. Charles was, like, way too eager to be like, Abrams thinks you have APD, so I think you have APD. Right. Well, and I feel like, you know, obviously there are some illnesses that, you know, you can very clearly, like, with tests and things, you know, diagnose. But they're still always, I feel like, subjective in some, like, a little bit. Um, And it's kind of, like, going off of, you know, just because I'm in a very crazy ex-girlfriend kind of mood. But, like, you know, with Rebecca, it's, like, you know, she had for years people telling her it was this and this and this tiny diagnosis and this. And then, like, finally she had her big breakdown in season three. Sorry, spoiler alert if anyone hasn't watched it. But, like. Go watch it. It's so funny. Yeah. But anyway, and then now, like, this guy is like, well, actually, I think it's BPD. And then she's like, wait, you mean it's not the fact that I have anxiety and depression and, like, all those other things? And so, yeah, I think it's just it can be very subjective from my understanding of it at least. Right. And I mean, I can't help but wonder, I'm, you know, I'm just curious. I'm like, okay, well, if this isn't Sarah's father, do you still diagnose the guy the same? Right. Are you still so quick to jump at it? I think it's hard. Like, I think it's hard because this doctor, you know, Haywood went to Dr. Charles because of his relationship with Reese. And he knew that Dr. Charles would know about what he like really is thinking and like wouldn't be able to say anything. But Mm -hmm. like, that's also been it hindered it from Dr. Charles side as well as because he does know Reese that well and he's very invested you know in his relationship with Reese that it's hindered the diagnosis maybe or like if he didn't see the PET scan does he even pick up on the traits that he's showing right I don't know I'm sure he does just because it's Dr. Charles but you don't know that for sure yeah that's true just their their interactions are so weird to me because it's literally just Dr. Charles being like, you're a psychopath. And Haywood's like, I'm a psychopath. OK, like it just strikes me odd. I don't know. But Dr. Charles shows Haywood the PET scan. And this is where I mean, this is where, you know, my questions are kind of debunked because, I mean, it comes down to science. You know, the PET scan shows his brain looks like that of somebody with antisocial personality disorder and he's exhibiting all the symptoms too right so you know dr charles dr charles shows him the pet scan and haywood's like is this the one that was taken when dr rhodes was conducting his thoracic study as in the scan dr charles ordered without his patient's knowledge and consent yeah that's the one yep yeah yeah that one again rules what are rules we don't know what rules are yeah goodness but then this is when Haywood starts to show his manipulative tendencies again he keeps playing the doctor patient confidentiality card Ooh, it drives me insane Mm. so he's like yeah I mean due to doctor patient confidentiality you can't tell Sarah so let's just keep this to ourselves and Dr. Charles is like yeah I can't do that this time so he basically tells Haywood that the committee is looking for you know self-sufficiency fiscal responsibility and anything that can establish independence how perfectly convenient that the board wants to see such a specific trait that directly applies to something he's trying to do right now yeah i wonder so convenient so convenient so convenient so Haywood takes the advice and thanks him he's like oh my god thank you for telling me all of this which like nobody ever hears that you know you have antisocial personality disorder. Like, let me give you all this advice. And nobody ever hears that and is like, thank you. Like, I don't know. So then Sarah confronts Dr. Charles outside because apparently Dr. Haywood 
translated this in a very, very different manner. Mm-hmm. So he told Sarah that Dr. Charles has some twisted paternal feelings for her and basically that Dr. Charles blackmailed him to stay away from Sarah. Otherwise, he'd sabotage his chances at getting on the transplant list. Crazy. But I do love how Dr. Charles. (laughs) Sorry. How Dr. Charles is like, I'm a shrink in a sweater vest, not a secret agent. (laughs) Yeah. I always love Dr. Charles. Little bit of humor. Yeah, yeah. But he also lays it out to her. I mean, he can't tell her what's going on. So he just says, he's like, think about what you know. Like, what is your diagnosis based off of what you know? And so, you know, she storms off. And thankfully, Goodwin's there to, like, overhear the whole thing. And she doesn't act like Will and, like, just stand at the vending machine and be like, "Mm, I'm going to just overhear this and, like, not do anything. Yeah. So Goodwin's like, what the fuck was that? And Dr. Charles tells her, he's like, you know, he's got APD. You know, this is what's going on. I think clinically she knows what's going on, but emotionally she's not there yet. But how is it that he can he can disclose what's going on to Goodwin, but not to Sarah? They're both doctors. I guess the fact that Sarah's a family member? It's the it's the family member thing. It's because like I mean you see it all the time. Like even in the like in med, like I mean you see it all the time. Like Will will go discuss his patient with like Rhodes, for example, and be like, hey, I, like, I want to talk to you about this, make sure I'm, like, thinking about this correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, that technically otherwise, like, is, I mean, breaking, I mean, I guess it's not, but, like, yeah, I mean, you can talk about things, I think, I mean, I don't know the legal jargon, but, like, I've definitely, when I worked in a doctor's office, like, you know, I'd get something about a patient, and, like, I'd be looking at something and be like, hey, I need to go talk to my boss about it, and so I'd go talk to my boss about it, but, like... You know, and I still with doctors. Like, I mean, yeah, like, it happens, like, in that sense. Because in that, like, you have to have some, like, people to discuss it with. Right. And, like, you got to, like, you know, if I don't know what to do in that instance, like, I have to go to my higher-ups and be like, hey, I didn't know what to do. Like, what do I do? Huh. So I, th- I really think it has to do with the fact that Sarah is a family member. Interesting. Because otherwise, like, everyone bra- – like, if you're not – like, if it was literally just, like, if you can't go to anyone – and, like, you only have, like, what your patient says, especially I feel like as a doctor and, like, in this kind of mm-hmm. sense, then, like, you can never have any kind of collaboration. Yeah. And, like, never any consults, like, nev- like unofficial consults, I'll say. Yeah. Like, you could never be like, hey, like, let me just, like, run this x-ray by you. Am I looking at it right? Like, you could never do any of that. Right. Interesting. So basically, this all ends with Sarah opting against signing the loan, which like good for her. She's starting to kind of see what's going on. But something else that I was, you know, somebody pointed out. So when Dr. Charles tells Goodwin that, you know, he's got a pretty bad form of antisocial personality disorder, Goodwin's first question is, you know, is she in any danger? And Dr. Charles says, you know, I don't I haven't seen any violent tendencies, but, you know, it's still there. So. It's about somebody Some people- time rec- somebody it's about time somebody recognized that Sarah like it's been in danger all season and needs to be protected. Right? Oh, she has been in danger all season. This poor girl. I mean, at first it was, you know, I mean, at some point it became like danger from like of in because of herself, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and so she opts in signing the loan. And so some people on Twitter were like, well, maybe it is going to take that violent turn. They were just kind of 
throwing around theories that maybe that's the direction it's going to head in. I, I, don't I don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, it seems to me like the easy way around this would kind of be to kind of explain it to her almost the way. Okay, I, I hate to always bring it back to Grey's, but the show's been on for like a billion seasons. You can't blame me here. So when Christina operated on Henry and Owen presented it to her as like, this is a male who did this, like didn't tell her any specifics. Yeah. I wonder if that would be a way around it. If Dr. Charles was like, let me present this patient to you. Like, what do you think? Well, I think that's what he was trying to do. Like he was trying to, I mean, obviously at this point, like she already had found out. So like he should have done it beforehand. But like, that's what he was trying to do when he's like, think about what you know. Like, think mm-hmm. about what you would do if this was your patient and not your father. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I'm just thinking of it more probably, that you know. I don't know. He was dropping little, like, teeny tiny hints. He needs to drop, like, big hints. Yeah, he but... needs to, like, pull down the, like, it's like almost like in a classroom. Like, the teacher, like, pulls down the map and, be, and like, points it out literally with, like, here you go. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm, like, gesturing right now. Nobody but Gina can, like, see me <laughs> gesturing. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the episode. There was so much going on and just so much heavy stuff. Yeah, a lot to talk about. It was good, though. I really liked it. Yeah. Med's been killing it this season. What can I say? Med really has been killing it this season. Don't sleep on Med because it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Bryna, any other thoughts? No, I mean, I'm curious to see what happens with just, you know, everything that happened this week. Like, you know, what happens with Manstead? Because um, we know that kind of goes on for a couple weeks. Um, how if Connor turns his life around. Um, what happens with Sarah and her father and Dr. Charles? And yeah. Yeah. And it could go a million different ways. So, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see which way they take it. Wait, Gina, I just had a theory. Okay, what if, you know how we were just talking about, like, obviously, like, the hints of, well, it's not really a theory, but, like, what if, because of the hints of Sarah's father turning violent, what if he does turn violent and then tries to kill Dr. Charles? I cannot handle that for a second season (laughs) in a row. But it's not out of the, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I really hope they don't do that. I mean, I, I think that would be funny in, like, you know, an alternate dimension. But that, no. That's funny, though. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, technically. No. I know. Well, you know, I don't mean kill him because of, like, his, like, what Sarah's father thinks his relationship with, Dr. Charles' relationship with Sarah is. I just think because he has an illness and, like, isn't in the, isn't hasn't been dealing with it the way he should have, then, mm. like, he goes violent and goes on, like, a killing. Okay, but he doesn't... He's got to stab Dr. Charles. He can't shoot him. The man can't get shot two seasons in a row. That's what I'm saying, like... Because then it's going to turn into some South Park, like, oh, my God, you killed Kenny shit. Like, it's just going to be, like, routine. But this is, like I said, it is not out of the realm of possibility, but it was literally something I just thought about. Or, like, he tries to kill Dr. Charles, but Sarah gets between them, and he stabs Sarah instead. Oh, my God. I know. Theories are fun. But I feel like this hint, like, that hint about the violence was too, 
obvious for it not to happen. Yeah, I mean, how does she get out of this in a way that's not like, I mean, there's no way to peacefully get out of this to be like, dad, get out of my life again. And then, without... yeah, like, he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'm gone. Okay, bye. Right. Yeah. No, it's going to happen. Something weird's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is all we've got. That's all we got. Crazy. So, yeah. Um, as always, we are all over social media. Find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We are Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. We have a website. Do, do, Definitely do, go do, check do. it out. Meet us at Molly's.com. That is so cool to say. <laughs> Say it, Rhina, say it. Meet us at mollys.com. Dot com. That sounds so cool. Yeah, so we have a website now. Um, you can also email us. We are at meetusatmollys at gmail.com. Please email us. We love when you email us because we love to talk to everybody and throw theories around with other people. We really just like theories. We love theories. And, like, Brian and I know how each other tick. So, like, you know, <laughs> if I have a theory about something, I can pretty much tell that she's going to be like, yeah, right on. Or, like, you're crazy. <laughs> so we love to throw around theories with, like, everybody. It's a lot of fun. So that's good. Um, Yeah. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brina. I am at Brina K13. Ashley is at Ashnick095. And that's Nick N-I-C, no K. Guys, if you like the show, please rate and review us. We would really appreciate that. And yeah, we will see you guys on Monday for a new Chicago Fire. Everybody have a good weekend. Bye.